0: You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cohn Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit ZenNovaScotia.com. Dogen writes, In the Buddha way, you should always enter enlightenment through practice. This is his third guideline for studying the way. You should always enter enlightenment through practice. This is at the heart of this particular tradition. It's a radical interpretation of certain teachings, even now, a thousand years later. And it's a broad interpretation of the Mahayana. Dogen writes, a worldly teacher says, through study, one can gain wealth. Buddha says, within practice, there is enlightenment. He's drawing a parallel, and he's drawing a distinction. These are utterly different worldviews. Through study, one can gain wealth. We could just as easily say that through study, one gains studying. It is unheard of, he continues that without studying someone should earn wealth or that without practice someone should attain enlightenment. It is unheard of that without studying someone should earn wealth. This is uh, Dogen coming out of a particular moment in time and having trained in China where there were civil service examinations. Your... uh, The path of merit was to study. If you studied, you took tests. If you took tests, you were given certain positions. If you wanted to be promoted, you took another test. This was the way up the ladder. Though practice varies, initiated by faith or Dharma knowledge, with emphasis on sudden or gradual enlightenment, you always depend on practice to go beyond enlightenment. He's speaking of what initiates the practice. It's very interesting to me that that conversation, of what is at the beginning of practice, is one that has come up for me and through my teachers a hundred times more than the discussion of what comes after. What is step one? What is the thing that for you opens the door? What invites you in? What is your catalyst? Find that. Explore that. Stay close to that. Step one is not simply step one. Though study can be superficial or profound, and students can be sharp or dull, accumulated studying earns wealth. We have these statistics about what what college graduates make and what high school graduates make and what dropouts make. He's referencing this. That within within limits, it really doesn't matter. When you get your, uh, your bachelor's degree, if you were great as a student or if you were barely, barely getting by, you checked all the right boxes. And now you've emerged and you have a certain certificate, you have a certain status. It allows you to move in the world in a particular way. This does not necessarily depend on the king's excellence or inability, nor should it depend on one's having good or bad luck. If someone were to get wealth without studying, how could he transmit the way in which ancient kings, in times of either order or disorder, ruled the country? If you were to rise to a a position of power, through merit, through having jumped through certain hoops, then you would be able to at least guide someone else to do the same thing. But if you had not, if you had arrived there without any effort, you would have no understanding of how to cultivate someone else. And then he writes, if you were to gain realization without practice, how could you comprehend the Tathagata's teaching of delusion and enlightenment? Dogen is doing something very nuanced here because as, as I said, he's, he's speaking of these two things in parallel. And he's also making clear that they're not the same. He says that just as it is unheard of that someone without studying should earn wealth, it is unheard of that someone should attain enlightenment without practicing. Here's the parallel. That both rely on effort. Both require you to step forward. Neither happens through doing nothing. This is the question that drove Dogen to different teachers, it is the question that drove him to China. We've talked about it many times. There was uh, a very powerful idea in the air at the time of Dogen's youth and long before, and long after. A fundamental enlightenment. That all beings are already fundamentally enlightened. This is still a very powerful idea. And it's, in fact, a part of this tradition, but in the way that Dogen heard it, it drove him nuts. It bothered him very deeply because he asked, if that's true, why am I here? Why am I dressed in these robes? Why am I meditating? Why am I chanting? Why am I participating in this practice if I already have the fruits of this practice completely, if they come pre-installed? And what he came to, put very simply, is that it is the engagement of practice that makes realization real. We have to touch it. And then we find the distinction. Studying is studying, practicing, Is practicing. If you want to know something, if you want to get a degree, you check boxes. Someone says, you need to know this, this, and this. And even if you're very motivated and deeply interested and you want to know more than that, still you start with those things and you check those boxes along the way you say okay i know enough about this i know enough about this i know enough about this i have a job in which i check lots of boxes i went home on friday night feeling very light because i had checked lots of boxes some days are like that some days aren't it's great In this practice, there are no boxes to check, except to show up. And so here, we start to see a division between the path of study and the path of mastery. In the path of study, you can dedicate yourself to something without touching that thing. In the path of mastery, all you do is touch that thing over and over and over again. It's the difference between reading about a guitar and touching one. It doesn't mean that one doesn't inform the other or that we can't have both. But for this practice to operate, you must have one. And so if your object, and, and it's very slippery because we don't want to get into that kind of language. But if, if what we're talking about is realization, then what Dogen is saying is if, if realization is what interests you, touch realization. Don't prepare for realization. Don't think about realization. Don't study what realization might be. Don't get ready for it. Grab it. Manipulate it. Hold it. And for him, realization is this practice. So if you want to know realization, then you sit in realization. Period. even on the days when it does not feel anything like what you think it should feel like. Even when everything about that experience is contrary to what you have read and what you have imagined. You keep touching it like a ball of clay. You hold it in your hands. At the end of this this paragraph, he says, if you were to gain realization without practice, how could you comprehend the Tathagata's teaching of delusion and enlightenment? Maybe more directly, if you somehow attained enlightenment without practice, what would that mean? What would that be? And how would you share it with someone? It would have no expression. But for Dogen, this is a very, he's putting it out there as a hypothetical, but it's a silly hypothetical to him because for him, it's not possible. There is no realization in the abstract. There is no realization that comes down from heaven. There is no realization that comes from nothing. Realization is always ever present and always ever available. But in a sense, it's always waiting. It's waiting for someone to pick it up. At the last, he writes, you should know that arousing practice in the midst of delusion, you attain realization before you recognize it. At this time, you first know that the raft of discourse is like yesterday's dream. And you finally cut off your old understanding, bound up in the vines and serpents of words. I like vines and serpents of words. This is not made to happen by Buddha, but is accomplished by your all-encompassing effort. So even though he says attain earlier, he takes it back. It isn't that you attain something. It's there. It's there before you know that it's there. And in case there's any question, the point is that it's there now. (laughs) Whether you recognize it or not is secondary. Whether you believe it or not, Is secondary. If you keep that mind though that wants to reach out that is sitting not just in the dark, but feeling that's enough. And then so there's no confusion at the end. He said, this is not made to happen by Buddha. This is not a reward. You don't sit long enough or chant long enough or offer yourself long enough. And then the universe says, good job. That was never the case. That validation will never come because that validation was never needed. There's a, a tendency, a natural tendency, a very human tendency for us to want ways to measure this practice. We want to very, very badly. And in fact, If you read Zen books for any time at all, you'll eventually stumble upon people who will, they'll tell you in a kind of half humble way, you know, I did the math. (laughs) I'm looking back on my life and I see now that I did Zazen for 35,000 hours, right? Whatever that is, whatever that number is. Who cares? It was right the first time. I don't think we get to know that the first time. And that's not to say that it doesn't change over time. But if you want to really sit, if you want to settle into this today or tomorrow or any other day, what you need to let go of, what we all need to let go of is the idea of graduation. Let it go. Let go of the idea that someone dressed like me, will one day walk up to you and put his his hand on your head and say, there you go. You did it. Just erase that idea. And settle into the great, vast, giving up that is at the heart of this. Offer yourself, commit yourself to something for which you will never get a reward. That's where it is. That's where That's where this becomes honest. And that's where I'll stop. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit ZenNovaScotia.com